0: Pastor Xavier Reese On hearing and heeding the call of God Then God called to him from the midst of the bush And said,
1: Moses, Moses And we get to the scripture, Samuel, Samuel And he ran into Eli I didn't call you, again He said, you realize God called him Say, your servant here is." And here you have the man Moses responding And he said, here I am And that's what God is looking for As he is reaching out to people through the gospel That they would respond to him,
0: here I am Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. It's been said that God doesn't call those who are qualified. He qualifies the ones He calls. And so when God was ready to deliver the Israelites from the captivity of Egypt, He chose not someone who was a leader, but rather one that would follow His lead. And continuing our Simple truth study in Exodus, Pastor Xavier opens to chapter 3 for the beginning of a message titled, The Call of Moses. Let's listen. The prophets of the Old Testament were men
1: who were the mouthpiece of God, as you know. They spoke by the Spirit of God as it directed them, not according to their own impulse and origin, as Second Peter 1, 20 and 21 says, but as the Holy Spirit carried them. Their character, reputation, the memory of them has been engraved in the mind of the Jewish community, as well as the Christian forever. But one of the that surpasses them all is Moses here. He is seen as a national hero, the deliverer, the prophet of God, the intercessor, the judge, the healer, the miracle worker, the loving shepherd. He occupies more material than any other person in the Bible. He is the dominant figure from the book of Exodus to the book of Deuteronomy, mentioned throughout the other books of the Old Testament, as well as the New. He's a very important figure. There are 137 chapters dealing with his call by God and the nation of Israel in the Pentateuch, and of course, excluding Genesis. As you know, at this point, Moses, by the providence of God, was drawn from the Nile by Pharaoh's daughter, and raised in the wisdom of Egypt. The latter portion of chapter 2, one day Moses went out to his brethren, the Hebrews. He looked at their burden, at which time he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. And so Moses, I mean, ended up killing this Egyptian, as you know, and he buried him in the sand. The next day he comes out, And he sees a couple of the Hebrews uh, quarreling and fighting among themselves. And he called attention to the one who was doing the wrong. He says, why are you striking your brother? And then the man responded, who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you did with the Egyptian? And Moses feared and said, surely this thing is known. Stephen in commentary in the book of Acts in chapter 7, 23 and 25 tells us that Moses was 40 years old at that time. And he thought his brethren, the Hebrews, would have understood that God was going to deliver them by his hand. We see Moses pulled out of the river. All of a sudden, he's 40 years old. What happened all those years? We don't know. God didn't see fit to give it to us. Pharaoh hearing of the matter sought to kill Moses, we're told. So he fled to the land of Midian, which, by the way, were the descendants of Abraham through Keturah, Genesis 25, 4, and 1 Chronicles one thirty-two and 33. So Moses was more at home in Midian than he was in Egypt. They were relatives. The Midianites were around Kadesh Barnea, the Sinai Peninsula, and beyond it along the eastern shore of the Gulf of Akaba, right there where the Red Sea is. And as Moses went there, he married Zipporah, the daughter of Jethro, had two sons. Moses now is 80 years old, and God is ready to fulfill his will and his promise to deliver the children of Israel through the call of Moses. The book of Hebrews tells us, 11, 24 to 28, that by faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused uh, the honor of Egypt, being called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than enjoy the passing pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproaches of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. And he looked to the reward, and then it says, by faith, he forsook Egypt not fearing the wrath of the king, and here's the key, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. God was going to use Moses as a deliverer, but he was 40 years too early at first. He had the will of God right, but his timing was terrible. He got ahead of God 40 years. I would say getting ahead a little bit. But that happens every day in Christians' lives. They get ahead of God. They get dissatisfied with God. They want more. They, they, they don't want to do what God tells them. They want their own will. And so we as people mess our lives up. We take the long way around. We go to dead ends. We, we, we go to mountains we can't climb. When God wants us to go through them, we try to climb them. And when he wants us to climb, we try to evade them. And it's amazing to me. Time will reveal your relationship to Christ from day to day, from week to week, month to month, year to year. And you alone will look to your life and find that if you walk with God in obedience or not. Now nobody's perfect, so don't misunderstand me this morning. But all of us are equipped to hear the voice of God. And to follow the leading of God. And so what we want to do here is um, look to the call of Moses, which reveals three things to us. Let me read here. Now Moses was um, tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of of the desert, and came to horror of the mountain of God, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. And when Moses said, then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here am I. And then he said, Do not draw near the... This place, take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Moses hid his face, from, uh, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cries because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrow. So I have Uh, Come down to deliver them out of the land of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land of the good and large land to the land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may... Bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is his name forever. And this is my memorial to all generations. Go. Go. And gathered the elders of the children of Israel together and say to them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, has appeared to me, saying, I have surely visited you and seen what is done to you in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of Canaan, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Havites, Jebusites, the land that flows with milk and honey. Then they will heed your voice, and you shall come, and the elders of Israel, the to the king of Egypt, and you shall say to him, the Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us, and now please let us go three-day journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice the Lord our God. But I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go, no, not even by mighty hand. And so I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst, and after that he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and it shall be When you go, that you shall not go empty-handed. But every woman shall ask of her neighbor, namely of her who dwells near her house, articles of silver, articles of gold, clothing, and you shall put them upon your sons and upon your daughters. So you shall plunder the Egyptians. The call of Moses is found here. And it's revealed by three things. First of all, verse 1 through 6, we have the consecration At Moses' call. The consecration at Moses' call. Secondly, verse 7 through 12, the commission of Moses' call. And 13 to 22, the confirmation of Moses' call. The consecration at Moses' call is first and foundational. Listen to what verse 1 and 2 says. God appeared to Moses. That's where it begins, ladies and gentlemen. That's it. God revealed himself to Moses. In verse 1, the occasion was as Moses was shepherding the flock of sheep. The peculiar flock belonged to his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. There's much that's said about Jethro being a priest and in relationship to Moses. And the book of Exodus and Numbers will give us more information. The man Moses, as it says here in verse 1, led the flock to the backside of the desert And he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. It's called the mountain of God because this is going to be his encounter. Uh, Not that there's something holy about the place where he's at. We as uh, religious people, Catholic people, uh, pagan people, we always put a shrine, an altar, or, or some location as holier than another. It is not. It's because God was there. And God doesn't dwell in temples made with hands, as Solomon said. The heavens of heavens cannot contain his glory. That's a pagan concept. This is just a building. This is not a church. You're the church. <laughs> this is just a building. This is not the house of God. <laughs> My body is. Look at verse two. The revelation was a theophany. The angel of the Lord appeared to Moses. The angel of the Lord here is the preincarnation appearance of Jesus Christ. It's found throughout the Old Testament over and over again with Moses, with Abraham, with Joshua, and many, many others. The angel of the Lord appears in the flame of fire, notice this, from the midst of the bush. A theophany is a physical appearance, a manifestation to give visible, tangible evidence that God is present. That's what it is. You remember the elements of light and fire throughout the scriptures are used of God. It speaks of purity, of, of just consuming sin and everything. Through the wilderness, he guided the children of Israel through a pillar of fire to give them the understanding of his presence. A cloud by day, those are theophanies. Whenever we read, and they saw God, they saw a manifestation. No man has seen God and live, But God veils himself with his glory. Notice the fascination of the sight drew Moses in verse 2. Moses looked if what he saw was true. We've seen, we've done this many times. You see something, you go like a double take. Am I seeing right? Moses then confirms in verse 2 what he thought he saw and was astounded, indicated by the word behold. Behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. It's not normal. Now, some people look at the burning bush as a symbol of Israel's affliction in Egypt. I don't see that at all. I think the context is very clear. It's a theophany of the presence of God. And that's all it is. Then God spoke to Moses. First, he reveals himself. And this is always God. He reveals himself to man. And the next thing he does, he speaks to man. He initiates. Very important. The man Moses responded to God's initiation here. Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Moses was going to figure out why the bush did not burn. Look at verse 4. The Lord called Moses by name. That freaked you out a little bit. The Lord waited for Moses' response to his initiation. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look... Then God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And we get this to the scripture, Samuel, Samuel. And he ran into Eli. I didn't call you. He, again, he said, you realize God called him. Say, your servant hears. And here you have the man Moses responding. And he said, here I am. And that's what God is looking for. As he is reaching out to people through the gospel. That they would respond to him. Here I am. It's been 40 years. Since the first time. Notice verse 5 and 6, God struck a reverent fear in Moses. In verse 5, God gave Moses a warning, the Lord Jesus, and we can say it because it's the pre-incarnation of Jesus Christ here. He stops him from approaching. He says, do not draw near this place. Moses was to recognize his sinfulness before the Holy God. You understand? That's basic. The Lord Jesus told Moses he was in the presence of the Holy God. The instructions, take your sandals off your feet. The explanation, for the place where you stand, is holy ground. Why? Because I'm here. We see reverence to diplomats, to presidents, to the few kings that are around the world, supposedly. And people bowed to them and all that. How much more to God? Verse 6, God revealed to Moses, the people he represented, the children of Israel. Forty years has gone by. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. This included him. He was a Hebrew. The man Moses prostrated himself. He hid his face, it says. Good response. The man Moses knew he was before the Holy God. For he was afraid to look upon God. Forty years before, Moses thought he was someone in Egypt. Now Moses has spent the second 40 years of his life knowing he was nobody. You remember Isaiah in chapter 6 when God called him consecrated him, literally there. Uh, chapter 6, verse 5 through 7, Isaiah, seeing the throne of God, high and lifted up, the seraphim, saying, holy, holy, holy. And he says, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people unclean See, the first thing when you see God is, I'm a creep, I'm lost, I'm a sinner. Woe is me. He's not on a horse. Woe means judgment. Why? Because he's a holy God, and I'm sinful. For my eyes have seen the king of the Lord of hosts, the captain of the armies of heaven. He's never lost a war. Then one of the seraphims flew to me, having in his hand a live coal which he had taken from the uh, with the tongue from the altar, and he touched my mouth with it and said, "Behold, this has touched your lips; your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is purged." God consecrated him. Only God can do that, ladies and gentlemen. Set you aside, cleanse your sin. God is the epitome of holiness and man is the epitome of sinfulness. Jesus spoke and he said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness but have the light of life in John 8, 12. Here again, the element of light, fire. And if we walk in him, then we walk in light. John 3, 19. This is the condemnation that the light has come into the world, the light Jesus Christ. And men love darkness rather than light. Because their deeds were evil. Now you have to agree with the Word of God that, that men love darkness, they're sinners, they have sin nature, their propensity is towards darkness, though they have the potential for good, or you have to believe the psychologists, sociologists, and the politically correct philosophy of today that man is good. And if you believe that man is good, you have to give me some evidence to back it up. By the way, did you lock your car this morning in the parking lot? Why? How about your house? We are told that God dwells in a light that is unapproachable and that no man can see God and live, 1 Timothy 6.16. It's only through the Son. God is forever attempting to bring man to an awareness of his sins, as you know, that he might be convicted and repent. Coming to a reverence of God. That he would fear God in a reverent way. Listen to Acts um, 2.37-39. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord God will call. This is what he's looking for. That you might see your sinfulness, your need of God, so that you can turn to him. That he might forgive you your sins. It might consecrate you, set you aside. The outcome is that we are made holy in Christ. For without holiness, no man shall see God, Hebrews 12, 4 says. I am not holy, but I am set apart in the person of Christ. And then we are able to look to God and approach Him on the basis of His Son, as Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, to approach the throne of grace in time of need. He has been touched with our infirmities. Paul put it this way to the Corinthians First Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Do you not know that the unrighteousness will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And you can keep adding to the list. And such were some of you, but you were washed. Sanctified, but you were justified in the name of Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God. You've been set apart. Your life has been transformed. If your life is still there, you're deceiving yourself. Only you can examine that. The call of Moses reveals his consecration. Notice, secondly, when you come to verse seven, down to twelve, we have the commission of his call. God revealed to Moses his full awareness of the horrible condition of his people. In verse 7, God had seen all the years of their slavery. The Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. The word oppression means affliction and misery. All of them. God is omnipresent. Now, we know this, but we don't believe this often. Because when we go to pray, we tell God all the details of our life that he's ignorant of. Rather than praying to him, we inform him. And Lord, oh, by the way, you know I only have two days left. I don't know if somebody's told you that. The people are claimed as God's property. My people. The Lord said, and I surely have heard their cries because of their taskmasters. Their cry, meaning their outcry of distress, out of injustices. God is omniscient. He knows everything. He knows the deepest pain in your life. He knows the disappointment. And you're to look to Him. He's not ignorant of it. He's very aware of it. The culprits were their taskmasters, those that pressed and drove them in their slave labor. Notice the Lord said, "For I know their sorrows. Their sorrows meaning physical and mental pain." God has a phrase, a covenant word for the Old Testament: loving kindness. The word hesed, steadfast love, for His covenant people. He's very faithful. God had been waiting for 430 years to be fulfilled. Why? Because he holds himself accountable to his own word, and he prophesied it, and he knows the end from the beginning, and he makes no mistakes.
0: Pastor Xavier Reese, and a message from Exodus chapter 3 of the God that reveals himself to those who will heed his call. And there's much more of this message to come next time, but if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, as always, you can pick up a copy and the title you want to ask for is simply The Call of Moses. It's available on C D for only four dollars. And this might be a study you'd like to pass on to someone in your church or a Bible study when you're through. Now once again, the title to ask for is The Call of Moses, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths twenty two hundred East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California nine one one zero seven. Or to make your request by phone, call eight 800- hundred.